This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land. And this is the Full Story Newsroom Edition, where Guardian Australia's editors discuss the news of the week. It seems like everyone has their own Qantas nightmare. Qantas customer complaints are soaring with passengers furious about... Despite record profits, Australia's biggest airline continues to anger its customers. Some of those common complaints around cancellations, services, as well as people really... And competition watchdog the ACCC is warning the whole industry needs to change because it's become a duopoly with high ticket prices and poor service, thanks to government policy. There's also political heat building over Qantas's special relationship with the government that led to a blocking rival airline, Qatar Airways, from accessing routes that could have... So, with a new chief executive in the pilot seat, will Qantas get past the mess it's made? Today, I'm talking to Editor-in-Chief Lenore Taylor and Head of News Mike Tisher about Qantas, competition and what the government can do to bring airfares back down. It's Friday, the 8th of September. So what kinds of things have people been complaining about when it comes to Qantas? 
What haven't they been complaining about? I think one of the things that has really fired people up was that it's really hard to use all the credits that people accrued during COVID and they were going to expire at the end of the year. But in the furor over the last few days, Qantas has said, actually, no, your flight credits aren't going to expire. But all kinds of things, you know, not being able to get through to talk to people, losing bags. I don't know, Mike, everything, I think. Yeah, I think so. And, And flying is fun in some respects, can be. Some people like it, others hate it, but it can be incredibly stressful when things go wrong, when planes are delayed, when they lose your bag, when you miss your connection, all kinds of things. If if something goes wrong in a flight, you really want to feel like the people you're travelling with have got your back. Mm. And I don't think that's been the case for many consumers. And when they've tried to get a person to talk to on Impossible. the phone when you when when you when you most need them yeah, yeah. So, and some I mean, of it is the what all airlines are doing in sort of automating systems and things but now sort of it's self check in which for most people if it's working fine is fine but for older people or for some people or if it's not working fine and there's queues and there's nobody to ask or if you've got a special you know request or something's gone wrong the whole thing becomes more stressful. I don't think that's only Qantas is doing that. Most airlines are doing that. But the whole flying experience is becoming less customer friendly, personal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like if they want to rebuild their brand, there's a lot to go out there. (laughs) Just just kind of put some people on the phone and be available when when people need you would be a good place to start. The Albanese government has been criticised this week in particular for the role that it's played in enabling Qantas's dominance in the market. Can you expand on that for me, Mike? So this mostly goes to the question over Qatar Airlines and whether they sh- it should be given more access to landing rights in Sydney and Melbourne earlier in the year and was refused. And Obviously, that goes to competition because the more airlines that fly to the two biggest cities in Australia, that should have a downward effect on prices. It has to be said that the government's responses on why that decision was taken to refuse them have been vague, changing, contradictory. A little bit contradictory. (laughs) Not terribly convincing. So they've talked broadly about, quote, the national interest, but it's very unclear what they mean by that. And there are suggestions that it has to do with the terrible incident a few years ago where some Australians were pulled off a flight in Doha and strip searched. That remains somewhat murky still. We're talking on Thursday. <laughs> Perhaps it might become clearer later today, but well, it got no, less gar- clear no guarantee today, of that. Because <laughs> the minister said it was in part about that, but then in the next breath she said Qatar could fly more flights into Cairns if it wanted yeah. to, just not into Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and Perth. So exactly. I didn't quite get the logic. No, there. it's um, why it's focused on that is because it seems like one, one obvious way to increase competition is to allow other foreign airlines to run more services. But the international lack of competition and the domestic lack of competition are also kind of linked because Qatar Airways is in sort of a partnership with Virgin. Virgin, you probably remember, went into administration in 2020, was bailed out by the private equity firm Bain Capital. And they were intending to have an IPO, a public offering this year. That seems to have been put off now till next year. So I think 
we're having this debate about competition policy at a time where the playing field is kind of in flux for the airlines because they're trying to get their fleets back up to speed because one of the two very dominant players in Australia is having an IPO. It's a period of flux, so it always gets a bit willing at these sorts of times. Yeah, and it has to be said Qantas didn't sort of help its position through well, multiple <laughs> multiple reasons. One of which was it's the extremely large profit that and that it announced two point yeah, five billion. <laughs> so um, it doesn't feel like it's under a lot of stress on pricing. And then obviously bonuses to Alan Joyce, his departure, and then the ACCC announcement that was charging Qantas over selling tickets for flights that had already been cancelled in its system. I mean that is a, just obviously a massive public relations disaster and, and makes it harder for them to prosecute what might otherwise be seen as a more reasonable case on foreign entrance into the market. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about Qantas and Virgin there, but what is it that's currently stopping companies like Rex and Bonza from getting a greater foothold in the market at the moment? Well, that same thing, slots at the big airport. So Bonza launched earlier this year as a low-cost arrival to Qantas, but basically it flies from one regional airport to another regional airport because it can't get landing slots in Sydney. You know, the allegation is that Qantas schedules flights it never intended to fly in order to keep the landing slot because there's a a use it or lose it rule where you have to run at least 80% of a service that you have a slot for to keep that slot. So the allegation is that Qantas is doing what it's called slot hoarding by scheduling a flight and then not flying it in order to keep its smaller domestic competitors out. And they kept denying that, saying, no, 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 we don't do that. It's just about, you know, weather and air traffic control and whatever else. Then the ACCC came out and kind of blew that out of the water a bit because they said that they've taken Qantas to the federal court for false misleading or deceptive conduct because in just one tiny window between May and July, they alleged that there were 8,000 flights in that window that where they were selling seats when the planes were already cancelled, were never going Mm to fly and that there were a bunch of reasons for that. But one of the reasons was the retention of takeoff and landing slots at certain airports. So that gives credence to what the people who've complained about Qantas domestically have been saying for a really, really long time. And I remember back when the Virgin only really got a foothold in Australia because ANSET collapsed and there were a bunch of landing slots that Virgin could get in. Like this is the way that the dominant players maintain their dominance in Australia. And the government's now saying that they will look at it and so they should because I think it's like the biggest impediment to domestic competition. Lenore, this week Transport Minister Catherine King released a long-awaited green paper report into the aviation industry and called for public feedback. What can people expect in that? So the Green Paper covers a whole lot of things, competition issues, climate and emissions issues, lots of things. But in terms of competition, it says the government's looking at things like maybe a customer's rights charter or a stronger ombudsman model to try to give people some recourse when they're trying to complain about airlines. An ombudsman has had pretty wide support, I think. I don't know if it mentions it specifically, but there's a lot of other sort of solutions that I think will probably be part of the input to the Green Paper about what governments could do. You know, they could make airlines pay us when flights are delayed or cancelled, for example. That happens in other jurisdictions. There's lots of things that they could do. And I think given the heat in this debate, there'll be a lot of submissions before the white paper comes out next year. 
Mike, the Minister for Competition, Andrew Lee, has said that Australia's economy needs a shake-up to ensure that, quote, cosy monopolists don't dominate the market. What is the government doing on this issue at the moment? Yeah, so when the government's two-year task force into competitive behaviour was announced last year, Andrew Lee made some pretty strong comments about how excessive market concentration was a terrible thing and how he liked to ask people at barbecues to name industries where there were more than a handful of players. He didn't actually mention aviation in that one. He implied that they were going to be doing something about this, obviously, and introducing more companies into certain industries which are extremely concentrated, of which there are many in Australia, banks, supermarkets. In relation to aviation, a couple of weeks ago, kind of before most of the Qantas storm broke, He implied that aviation would not be part of the competition task force review. And then the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, stepped up and said, no, actually, it will be part of the competition review, as well as in the green paper. So it didn't feel like aviation was was at the top of the priorities for the competition task force, let's put it that way. Mm. I guess the end result of that is it remains to be seen what they're going to do about it. It's up for grabs. But they've made... Lee, in his general remarks last year and now more in the Green Paper and in the midst of the furore about Qantas, they've said a lot of things about increasing competition and improving things for consumers. So now the ball's in the government's court to see what they're actually going to do about it. But the evidence that they need to do something is pretty overwhelming. The Australian Airports Association made a submission to a parliamentary inquiry recently. So these and these are the figures from that submission that the Profit margin for Qantas has increased from 12% in 2016-17 to 18% now. And the other big duopoly in Australia are the supermarkets, where we've been talking a lot about how they're allegedly price gouging in a cost of living crisis. Their profit margins increased from 56 to 5.9% over the past three years, according to this submission. So going back to what Mike said about how Qantas is viewing the balance between returns to shareholders and us, the flying public, the balance has very much gone towards shareholders. And you can see that in what we're paying for tickets. So in the six months to June 2023, compared with pre-COVID levels, Qantas domestic fares have increased by 22.6% and international fares have increased by 52%. I mean, that's just wild. It's not often that... um you read a green paper. Well, it's not often that I read a green paper. How many at all, green to be papers honest, do you but, read, Mike? <laughs> but it's not often, particularly often, that you. Uh, I know. Find, I'll go to bed find, tonight and read a green paper. That you find uh, humour in one, but I did like the point. The the, the point in it where they said um, the ACCC in its final report in June, according to the green paper, it said the lack of direct competition over recent years has resulted in quotes underwhelming outcomes for consumers <laughs> in terms of airfares. Yeah, I'm underwhelmed. Reliability of service and customer service. I'm very underwhelmed. Seemed like a kind of dry comment from someone. (laughs) (laughs) What could a government do to increase competition in the aviation space and in other industries? Well, they could change the rules around how you get slots at airports, for instance. They could introduce a system where airlines have to pay compensation if flights are delayed for reasons that are in their control. Obviously, you wouldn't pay compensation if there was, you know, a terrible storm or something. And that's what happens in Europe. I mean, here, I think we only ever get a voucher to buy a soggy sandwich if your flight is delayed. So there's a bunch of things in their gift. And then on an international level, there's the decision about when and how international carriers are allowed into the market. So, I mean, I think there's a a range of things they could do. 
Well, Lenore, can you foresee a time when Qantas's brand is renewed and also a time when tickets are cheaper? Uh, on the first one, I don't know. I Marketing is not my forte. On the second one, part of your question, though, I do think this debate is likely to push incremental change. I do think Qantas is going to have to focus on its customers more to get itself out of this bind. And someone much more expert than me on this subject, who we ran a piece from this week, Dr. Tony Weber, who's a former chief economist of Qantas and is an aviation consultant. His conclusion was he thinks we should start to see better domestic deals on airfares very soon and lower international airfares within six months. And all I can say is I really hope so. (laughs) Next, rowdy chemists and shark bites. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here. At Guardian Australia, we want to make sure you're getting the news that matters in 2023. Our morning mail and afternoon update newsletters are short and capture the most important headlines of the day. If that sounds good, you can subscribe for free right now by visiting the Guardian homepage, searching Guardian Australia newsletters, or just downloading our app and you'll get daily notifications. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And now it's time for what we can't get out of our head. Mike, what's on your mind? So mine is very brief and not really a story at all. But um, in In Parliament this week, there was a bit of a commotion on Monday when during question time, it was disrupted by people complaining about the new rules for pharmacies and uh, the 60 day Mm. dispensing rule. And I just like the fact that in our headline, we talked about rowdy pharmacists (laughs) disrupting question time. It felt like the only time we would ever have used the phrase rowdy pharmacists. They were also sort of rogue pharmacists, right? Like they were a breakaway pharmacy. It's just like a whole new Mm. selection of pharmacists that we have never explored before, but maybe we should. (laughs) Very good. And Lenore, what have you got? So I have been really taken by this story about sharks attacking a catamaran where there were three people travelling on an inflatable catamaran from St. Petersburg around the world. It was recreating some sort of historic journey and they had to be rescued because their vessel was attacked by sharks, which I was sort of interested in, so looked a bit deeper. And the suspicion is that they were something called cookie cutter sharks, which I have never heard of before, but I know more about now that I've looked at Wikipedia. These are small sharks, they're only like 40 centimetres long, and they've got really sharp little teeth. And they generally prey on things like whales. And they just kind of go up to them and go, and, and cut a, like a cookie-sized circle of flesh out of their prey. And they obviously seem to think that the catamaran was a shark or a whale or a prey. But the idea that they just kind of do these little incisions, they've damaged submarines, they've damaged lots of things. But the other thing I found out about them is that they are bioluminous. So I guess at least you see them coming, right? (laughs) That sounds terrifying, but also fascinating. I hope I never come across one. Thank you so much for your time, Lenore. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Jane.
That was Guardian Australia's Editor-in-Chief Lenore Taylor and Head of News Mike Tisher. You can follow the latest news on Qantas and the Aviation Green Paper at theguardian.com. We also covered the events that led to Alan Joyce's early resignation from Qantas on Full Story earlier this week. It's an episode with Laura Murphy-Oates and our transport and urban affairs reporter Elias Fasante. We'll pop a link to that episode on the Full Story website. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, sound design and mixing by James Milsom. The executive producer was Molly Glassy. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.